Good morning. Welcome to uh, what we, you know, if we had started this show with a hook, uh, which we didn't, we we could have had, uh, the hook could have been, we could have named the show Cameron and Brock Attempt to Wake Up. Um, you say or didn't, something like that. I say haven't. I mean, haven't. Well, you just I mean, I bought, never I, know. I I bought the domain. We're Cameron and Bacher, two people. I'm not. I'm not changing all that now. It's set in stone. Okay, we could always have a subtitle. So I'm down for that. <laughs> Energy is <laughs> the, the chemistry is already just crackling this morning. I can <laughs> I can feel those the sparks flying off the. I'm a, I'm a the, little more awake. Actually, I've been up. Well, I was up. I was up very late. And then I got up early as well. Um, this morning it was to tend to smoking briskets. Yes. Oh, you really? Heard right. Multiple plural briskets. Now, okay, hold on. Does this mean that you're 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 not working today, or that you you can't be working today because? What? You, there's well, I would no way that you're expecting because any... I would I will do this. All right. Well, first of all, I thought you were we'd be off, but then I was thinking. Uh, then I remembered that you have an afternoon sort of shift situation, but at the same time, I don't. I can't imagine you would be able to get a brisket done by early afternoon, having done a brisket before. Well, you'd be correct. It's just perhaps your premise is. Uh, assumptions are off which is that i started it last night Mm. Uh, and i am taking it to work i had made the mistake of bringing barbecue to work more than once so now it is a constant sort of looming cloud at work as to when i will bring barbecue again now i say this negatively and i actually love it and everybody get something out of it and we're eating barbecue. So it's very nearly the best thing that can happen, but it's not without its timings and efforts. You know what I mean? Like barbecue. Yeah. You, you, yeah, you, you leapfrogged like three different things. I was going to, going to say there, like you, you, uh, I, 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 I think like anybody who brings something, Legitimately delicious to work. Excuse me. Is a uh, is a is a hero. Uh, <laughs> but you, it seems like you've already you've already gone through the 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 surprise phase, and there was a perhaps may, maybe a frequency mistake at some point where you, uh, in an attempt to uh, follow up on your previous good vibes, you uh, you set up. You you followed up too quickly, and now there's a precedent. You went from a surprise to another surprise to a sort of uh, an expectation. Well, okay, right? I would yes, that probably was part of it. I will say that it has not reached any kind of n- normalcy to where people are sort of bum like dismissive of me because I haven't brought it in. It's more like people are still very excited. So I'm okay mm-hmm. with that. I, and I, I get it mostly because though they like barbecue, I've, I've seen it's increasingly focusing on brisket, which 
if I put myself in that scenario, brisket is notoriously hard to get done well outside of at least Texas so far as I can tell. And it's, yeah, it's hard to do right. And depending on where you get it, the cost is more than a lot of other things you could smoke. And so you don't have access to good brisket if you want it, especially here. Um, so imagine being powerless and, <laughs> oh, you I, know, this is I, some I, kind of outlet. Well, the, the, the inability to make brisket is, is the natural state of a human being. I mean, you start out powerless. It's only, it is only when you discover the, uh, when you, when you take on the challenge of making your own brisket that you, that you, uh, experience this sort of, uh, brisket, uh, independence. Uh, it's true. Yeah. yeah. And like, uh, and I, I've done a brisket exactly one time because it isn't, it, it is an investment unless you have some insane brisket hookup. A, a pork shoulder is one quarter the cost of a brisket to make, uh, at least in my experience. And it's and it's very stressful uh, because of that. A pork shoulder is also also like almost impossible to mess up. And I'm my understanding is you can mess up a brisket pretty easily. I came out with like okay brisket, but I have not had yours, and I'm sure it is uh, transcendent. <laughs> um, it's good. I usually make <laughs> things the way I like them, so I'll think it is good. Although some things I abandon because I don't think I. I've, I haven't figured out how to do them well. So brisket, uh, they don't all come out equal, but on the whole, they're pretty delicious. And like I said, I don't have a lot of recourse. I mean, people have served brisket locally, and more often than not, it tastes like smoked beef. And I know that sounds weird, like that's the same thing, but it's it's not. So, oh, I I very much understand. I I do not. So the the even though like a Texas uh, like a thick cut slab o brisket, um, that's not necessarily a thing in a lot of parts of Florida. And like when we lived in Tennessee, their version of brisket was more like uh, very thin sliced, uh, very dry beef. Yeah, it's and, like. An eye round, and you smoke it, and it's a type of barbecue, but it's yeah, you know, it's, it's just n- different. No, the actual I want brisket. I want brisket like what from the magazines. That's like an inch thick and kind of falling apart. And you know, we uh, had I a. Mm. I don't know if you got our Christmas card that year. The one where. Instead of a picture of our family, it was a picture of a sliced brisket I cooked in full could, page. That's amazing. First I mean, of all, it's amazing that you got approval, family <laughs> approval for that. <laughs> Abigail, my wife, um, mm. a, likes barbecue probably not quite as much as me, but I mean, it was certainly a testament to her value as a human and an outstanding mate that she was totally on board with that. And also, the back of the card did have smaller little pictures of our family in various circumstances. But, I mean, the front was just 100% brisket. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think you could glean even. I'm glad that your family was on the card at all. Uh, <laughs> that it was nice of you to make that concession. But really, if you just, I, I think, uh, the square inches of the card devoted to brisket versus the square inches of the card devoted to actual physical manifestations of your family, I bet there was still kind of a seven or eight to one ratio uh, brisket, brisket heavy. Uh, now, the... I and I can ver I can verify that I didn't get that Christmas card because of course I would remember if someone had sent me a Christmas card <laughs> where the entire front was a piece of brisket. That's not the kind of thing you forget. <laughs> I think you could. It was one of those you could hang on your tree too. So you know, there's that. What I mean? Can you technically? I mean, I'm well, not it was with made to. Describing. Yes, you can hang anything on a tree. I guess that's right. Um. Yeah. So brisket's happening. Uh, I think. It's going okay. Um, it's two different sizes, which has brought some challenges into the equation. Mm. But yeah, yeah you don't want to dry it out. But yeah, you got to have the whole brisket. Um, yeah, I'm not going to go into all yet. the details. But I, do you, no, do you, does your yeah boy? We we're going to start out the podcast here with like 20 minutes of very niche brisket cooking advice or uh <laughs> descriptions but do, is a so it's a packer cut you got the whole, oh, yeah. the whole shebang you know in there? and i will just quickly say that that's a difficult to source right off the bat there's two places you can get them a local butcher shop which we actually do have a reliable butcher shop now um prices mm. not necessarily going to be the strong suit there and of course as you were also thinking, Walmart. Yes, Walmart, of all food purveyors, really? is the only one that sells packer, whole packer briskets. And to quickly describe this, when you see a brisket at the store, it's almost certainly what's called a flat. And it's one part of a two-part piece of meat we call the brisket, a point and a flat. The point is very fatty in a good way because brisket fat is what gives it all of its flavor. And then the flat is the one that you might see like sliced, you know, um, aesthetically with the little layer of fat on top and sort of a leaner cross section. So the flat can dry out quickly, but it is good if cooked well. And then the point is just a big ball of flavor and fat. And so when you cook them together, it, it dries out less, but also what you get is just did you already use the word transcendent because uh i'll I mean, use you it can't again overuse the word transcendent in this context uh wait how big is do you are you still using the little the electric smoker like the little mini I, fridge uh size dealy because i can't i'm trying to picture that fitting an entire packer cut and it's just not working i lost you there a couple times like it was censoring oh. you I mean, it's you were oh, no. talking, but it was like you were being censored. Well, I, I got very, uh, I got very vivid with my okay. descriptions of. So there might have so been something the on the Microsoft filter. side. Okay, yeah, yeah probably. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> it, is there your smoker? It's a. It's is. Is it still the like mini fridge ish kind of thing with about an eighteen inch square grate, or do you have something else? Because unless you're going to hang that brisket vertically in there, or like roll it into a ball, yeah, I so, don't see a packer cut fitting in there. I. <laughs> I do. I have two smokers now, which, you know, I don't know where that will stop, but I have the charcoal indirect sort of green egg-ish type of smoker. 
And then I have oh. the mini, as you may say, mini fridge type, it, which you can stack vertically. So you can smoke a ton of stuff in that one. And it's, you know, sort of like an oven, basically. Yeah. And that's the one I'm using. In fact, I specifically replaced my old one this weekend to smoke this. But uh, it was under warranty, so. Oh, wow, nice. Wait, oh, wait, yeah. so... So you are, is the brisket cut up then, or am I just am I getting the spatial considerations all wrong? Oh no no, it's all in there. I mean, it's big enough to fit a giant brisket, and then oh. like stack four of those on top of each other. I don't know why you would do such a thing. Um, Good lord, <laughs> there there's such a thing as too much brisket. I but mean, each brisket is back, weighs but, roughly the size of like a small child. I mean, they're right. not small. I'm just worried, like we said before, people, not everyone is empowered uh, to be able to create a brisket. And I'm worried a little bit about the philosophical implications here. Like, mm. is there too much concentration of power in too few hands, those of us that can provide ourselves brisket? I don't know. I think I think you seize the means of brisket production uh, for I yourself. Think oh, I was thinking of seizing it as a people. So Not we the need people's to brisket. make sure everyone um, has that capability in and of themselves. Uh, you teach, a, him, teach a man to brisket. You teach a man to brisket, he'll eat forever? I, he'll he'll, he'll be probably not actually way. do it that often because it requires smoking overnight, and that's really asking a lot. <laughs> and if you have a friend who does it well, then it's easy to harass yeah. them. That's uh, the yeah. You give you give, these people know that brisket's going to occasionally show up at work. I think so. People have given to, up their power for convenience. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, the the brisket it just show, just appears. There, there's no. Uh, they're they're not required to 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 brisket for themselves. Oh, I wish brisket would show up here. It's kind of early in the morning to be talking this much about very heavy, very smoky pieces of meat. I made oxtail stew yesterday to continue the uh, the kind of foreboding uh, meals theme of the episode so far. Um, I was interested. I have heard good things, but never made the effort to figure it out. How did it work? Well, it was cool. The The recipe is from a, a chef named Edward Lee, who I am, I've probably made a quarter to a third of his cookbook at this point, uh, recipe count-wise, which, you know, is kind of a lot for a cookbook, I feel like. You know, you, you're not, I'm not, I'm not a, what's the movie where, oh, the Stanley Tucci thing where she just does all the, um, Julie and Julia, going through a cookbook page by page is not a thing that almost anyone does, right? So, I like I how like you I've called come... that a Stanley Tucci movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, you know, the Stanley Tucci film, the one where uh, the, the, the Hunger Games. Um, yeah. So uh, anyway, the uh, I, I really enjoy this cookbook. It's it's a Korean, uh, it's a guy with of Korean ancestry and, and whatnot who uh, grew up in uh, New York City and now lives in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, so it's it, the the meals tend to be southern slash Korean. Uh, so uh, I've made his collard greens, which involve putting kimchi in there, mm-hmm. and I've served them to people who do not enjoy kimchi, and they've enjoyed the collard greens. Did you tell them? Ahead of oh time? yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's not like a ton, but he uses the kimchi as kind of a 
a, almost like a slaw kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, add some umami in there if you want to use the, the the red flag flavor term that causes people to not want to listen to You can to just say MSG. It's same thing. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's some MSG in there. Uh, and uh, so anyway, the oxtail stew had been uh, looming for a long time because it's a, it's a three-hour uh, stew. It sits on your... Uh, it sits on your stove for three hours and reduces. It's got three quarters cup of black bean paste in it, which is black bean paste. Is this? Have, do you, have you used it before? It's like a, it comes in a little, car, little like a vat, and you have to get it at Korean markets. I think I've used it or something similar to make mapo, but maybe not. It was like fermented bean paste or something. Yeah, no, that's the stuff. It's 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 the color of uh, evil. Um, <laughs> the smell is it's a, quite interesting it's a remarkable it, it is the kind of thing where you buy a vat of it it's kind of like gochujang like you buy uh mm-hmm. which is like a red bean paste uh, you buy they don't sell it in a container smaller than one that's like oh gosh it's like m- maybe half of a a jar of mayonnaise worth of this stuff and then a recipe calls for like a tablespoon and then you're and you're like, great, now I have this this thing with a bunch of Korean on the outside that I'm never going to finish. Well, I've got semi-good news, because you can make oxtail stew, and that takes a shockingly large amount of it. Um, you throw that in the pot, along with a, bu- a bunch of other stuff, cook it down for um, three hours with some browned oxtails, which I had to go get at the amazing Korean market that's actually not too far from my house. Um, and, the, and, uh, and it creates a... Um, the world's least photogenic uh, food <laughs> is what I happens. would say if I could use a descriptor for those of you who haven't seen it, black would just be a good descriptor. Yeah, it's like the um, fern gully, like the bad guy, uh, like goop that attacks the, the rainforest in fern gully. It's basically that served over, uh, well, I put it over rice. It, the recipe didn't call for that, but... Uh, I wasn't going to serve my kid on kids only mysterious black goop. Um, <laughs> it was black enough that Shannon lifted up something and was looked at me inquisitively and said, what is this? And the thing that she was asking about was a piece of carrot. It's just, <laughs> it's just that it had, <laughs> well, it had yeah, been, once you're already in that sort of zone of oddities and colors you don't feel like you should be seeing with certain shapes and textures everything becomes suspect and sort of evil looking almost yeah and it's a stew it's it's it was a carrot it's actually i think i i don't know uh kind of how original this recipe is it felt pretty pretty singular because there's most of the ingredients are like a standard beef stew, you know, like you know, some rough chopped onions and carrots and stuff. But then there was the black bean paste. There was a few other things, and the, then you got uh, the oxtails. And yeah, the the completely desaturated chunks of carrot were uh, were threw Shannon off, and and I'm not gonna say as adventurous as my kids are. This was also a very rich, very strong. It was extremely delicious. Let me let me make this very clear. <laughs> it was very good. Um, but I even my children, who Felix has been known to ask for Cholula on her taco, they they are not afraid of various uh, strong flavors. But they were they didn't eat a ton. They they did okay. I'm proud of them for giving it a shot. 
Um, very good, uh, very good stew. I would say that the um, it it actually is. Oh, there's, there's a car alarm going on off outside. It it had some parallels with barbecue. I would say uh, in the sense that the the sauce when it finally uh, uh, cooked down was very rich and sweet, not unlike a barbecue sauce, just kind of with the black bean paste as a base instead of like tomato or ketchup or something. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I, it, I would highly recommend it. The other interesting thing that I have skipped over entirely is oxtails, which are not super easy to get a hold of, um, really perform the same function as like a ham hock to me. In a, in a, like, if you ever I guess down, I was imagining that was the case because yeah. they're they're maybe sixty percent bone. Yeah, they're you're, you're just kind of and they've they've cooked it to the point where they're kind of falling apart, and you actually pick them up with your fingers and kind of like chew around the the um, neck bone looking uh, bone pieces that you get off a off an oxtail, which is a cow tail and not an ox tail, even though it's called oxtail. I found that out. Can you tell me what learning, learning an all ox sorts of things versus a cow is? Oh, actually, no. Shit, are those the are those the same animal? I His Oregon Trail okay, could have just could been like I thought okay. an ox was a cow that was used for draft work or something of the like. But um, now I'm is, super curious because I've never actually thought to look it up. We're doing it right now. Different between an ox and a cow. All right. Uh, cow is the female. A bull is a uncastrated male, and an ox is a castrated male. There you go. That's it. it. Carrying on the so, far, the strong farm tradition of of screwing with an animal's ability to reproduce, and then changing the name of the animal <laughs> as part of it. Let's screw with them and call them different things. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, all right. The, that was the that was the food segment. I'm I'm glad that we got uh, most of the podcast done uh, without uh, talking about Wait, anything other than. Well, I just want to throw in. Uh, the, oh no! They're castrated okay. when they are intended to be used as draft animals. So, oh. ta-da! We're all learning. Okay, go ahead. Mm. No, it's, it's cool. Uh, we'll, we'll just. Uh, do you, any any more castration related? Um, you want to talk about I, like how, you know how, what how, could, mm, farms are well, farms are tough places. Uh, okay, I, you know what uh, I was gonna go into that, but I'm gonna back out immediately. I would like to know what else we've got to talk about. We uh, so I've got a list of I've got a list here. Um, are there sort of a a, a list of philosoph- of philosophies? And I want you to see what you think of it. All right. I'm going to read these off. These are four points, four, four uh, guides for living points, sort of uh, tenets. Number one, respect yourself. Number two, there's one way to solve the problem. Number three, think about towers. Number four, think about blocks. What do you think about that? Um, I... It could have been written by Archer. <laughs> Impressive. Uh, yes, there. That is. Uh, you're close. You're getting. Okay. You're warm. Uh, so, so we're on the. So we drove yesterday, and I. It's rather tedious to get in. Well, I. Mm, so, uh, we drove out to. Uh, um, to get some to Superdog, 
in those suburbs yesterday. Very good local hot dog place. Worth the drive. We're driving back uh, full of uh, burgers and fries and whatnot, sort of in a haze. And uh, sitting in the sitting in the traffic on the interstate because the interstate uh, the speed limit of the interstate here is twelve, and uh, all of a sudden Felix from the back seat holds up uh, her index finger, and she says, "Number one, respect yourself." <laughs> <laughs> and Felix is is uh, just turned three like less than a month ago. She goes, "Number one, respect yourself." Number two, there's only one way to solve the problem, or there's one way to solve the problem, is the verbatim. Number three, think about towers. Number four, think about blocks. And we were like, what? <laughs> so I, I, as far as I can tell, unless, unless there's a children's television show out there that she's been watching that no one is, uh, none of us are privy to, and she's also uh, claiming is her own, those are, those are her tenets. The, the three, there the was any, was this followed up at all? Did she go on, or was it just she? You know, it was sort of a burst of insight, and then returned to other things. No, she sort of um, she went over it, and then when Shannon got out uh, the camera to videotape it because we were we were uh, taken aback, um, she went back over them again. So we do have that on video. Um, and then, then she started ad-libbing after number four. She went, number five, think about cars. Number six, think about, and she's looking out the window, trees. Number seven, uh, you know, so the, it kind of became, uh, post four, I feel like was a little apocryphal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. like she, she realized she had a good thing going that. and she just kept, yeah, just kind of went she's with trying it. Trying to make the sequel already. What was number mm-hmm. two? Uh, there's a, there's one way to solve the problem. That was the most obscure to me you know you might think think about blocks (laughs) but i can imagine a lot of things as a philosophy there's one way to solve the problem at once sounds impossible but at another moment sounds like they know something i don't right so i i think she may be on to something here i i've thought about it she didn't say there's only one way to solve a problem and she didn't say that there are multiple ways to solve the problem, but you only need one. There, she just said there's one way to solve the problem. And the, the, the way that I've been thinking about it ever since last night uh, when all of this took place is that I feel like the unspoken guidance here is that once you have a way to solve the problem, you should solve the problem. You there's you only need right. one you way to solve the problem. You can never solve a problem by constantly trying to reevaluate how to solve it. Well, once you've it's solved like the problem, Zeno's you will have solved it being paradise. one way or via one way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> so it's like Zena's paradox. You'll never actually get there. Uh, oh, I see. I just you know since our viewers are familiar with that. Mm-hmm. That's a callback. Yeah, uh, I also called I, them viewers. I mean, I don't. They're looking at something while they're listening. I don't they know are, what it is. They're definitely viewing in some <laughs> capacity. Um, number three, I I like the the um sort of dis, the, the uh, contrast. You've got think about towers, but really think about blocks. It's like think about the forest, but also think about right. The trees. It's it's setting you up to reevaluate what you were focusing on to begin with. So three and four. Mm. Maybe almost a pair, right? 
Mm-hmm. This is how religions start, right? You just leave enough vague information out there, and then people just just spin it. I, you know, I was a little worried about that, but she didn't uh, claim to have got. I, when I asked her where she came up with them, she just said she did, which I think is how religions don't start. No, um, no, no. Thankfully, I think we dodged she a bullet. She says there. that. I mean, other people build something oh, I else see. out of it. Like she'll, okay, you, I, you know, if she looked uh-huh. at what happened a hundred years from now, you know, she be she might be take, uh, appalled. But I see. you know, it's not up to her. It's our religion. Yeah, I need. I need to be careful about where I put that video is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Uh, no, don't post it. Uh, mm. Is it too late? Uh, <laughs> no, we don't. We don't really do that that much. So I think we're safe there. You never, I mean, for exactly this reason, you have to be very careful about what religions you accidentally start when you're, when your child starts monologuing. Um, yeah. Uh, Let's see. So that 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 was that was that segment. Uh, <laughs> uh, do you do? Uh, oh, so yesterday the the thing that I sort of waffled on talking about a second ago because I'm still still 13 episodes into this podcast. Uh, one thing that I find myself doing is introing something by saying that it's going to be boring or, or some <laughs> some. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I. I fall into that as well. I do not like to set expectations on a thing. Yeah, at the same time, uh, you, if you set if you lower expectations right. before a thing, uh, that's maybe worse. I like um, to so set I, expectations. I tend to try to make everyone think it's going to be the worst, and then they're like, "Oh, well, that was okay." And that was actually we decent. Win. <laughs> Yay. We set that bar real low and they just This is not a piece of good life advice. (laughs) Do not do this. (laughs) Do not do this, the podcast. Uh so yesterday the 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 thing that I was saying was boring, uh, but it's actually great. Um and a huge step up for us as a as a um a unit here up in Chicago is after um a year and a half of living here, wait, yeah, something like that. Um, I finally, finally got a storage unit here, which is something I had been, something I should have done when we moved here, and I didn't, so half our stuff is still in storage uh, back with my parents, and um, we have a a fairly good closet situation here in our apartment, it's one of the reasons we got this one, Um, so I have things very efficiently, Tetris kind of into the closet, I I have a very efficient, I I, I pride myself on being, I can pack a car real well for a road trip, I can pack a closet real well uh, for uh, you know for those purposes. So we were getting by, but like I said, some st- we have a bunch of stuff still still with my parents, and also uh, even the world's most nicely Tetris closet is still uh, not a great. I mean, when you open a closet and it's just solid stuff, the the, your, the pleasure that you get out of that stuff all being uh, all taking up every square inch of that closet very neatly is not that much more than the pleasure of, of, uh, <laughs> you know, just it all being effectively random. There's, there's, there's a density to our life here that we attempted to address. And I, I had been just kind of putting off addressing. Um, so we, so we got a, we got a, um, storage unit. The storage unit came with a free moving truck, uh, rental for the day, which is amazing. Uh, so I, took a bunch of stuff basically everything that i don't need within the next 30 minutes is now in a storage unit 15 minutes down the road um 
And after we did that, we were able to move some shelving that carried homeschool stuff uh, from the the um, kind of side of our living room underneath the window to a closet. So now the closet, instead of being an incredibly efficient storage area, is now a place where you can put something. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, this is all very, very good news for um, our general level of feeling of stress, kind of a, a feeling like we're packing uh, two children into a two-bedroom apartment in the city, which we're still doing, but it feels much better now. And uh, and also my neck is sore from moving boxes, but there you go. <laughs> so. You didn't try to go the route of anything we can't fit in here we don't really need. Because I've heard a lot of people espousing that, but I mean, it doesn't. I mean, you could live in a closet and you really probably do need more than that. Mm -hmm. But you're okay with how much you have. Yeah, I I think that that, I mean, I, I, everyone has kind of different uh, requirements in this capacity, but the kind of stuff we're putting in a storage unit is. Stuff that one might put in an attic or a basement. Uh, it's not like uh, I, I'm not g- lugging around my my collection of framed baseball cards or something. This is uh, the bo- you know a few Rubbermaid boxes of memories and uh, some old game consoles. I still have a CRT television that I would like to one day set up with a with a Super Nintendo in a basement or something. Uh, is so this I, been- for your own nostalgia? Yeah, I, well, also, there. once I don't want to get rid of the CRT. I feel like it would be difficult to source another CRT uh, one day. So I'm, I'm I'm just lugging it around from place to place. Uh, and there's another, there's other stuff. It's it's all just attic stuff. It's it's the actual contents of my storage unit is is not exciting at all. It's it's just that when you uh, when you are in a house. You sort of expand your possessions. They just they just sort of magically spread uh, until you have an attic full of stuff and a garage full of stuff. And then if you say move from a house into a uh, a, a thousand miles north into an apartment, you have a lot of stuff you got to figure out what to do with. Um, and so we got rid of we'd already did the downsizing. I, I I may have even talked about it on the podcast. I filled up a minivan uh, with no back seats twice with stuff that we just donated like i'm not uh, there there this wasn't even stuff that was worth kind of selling on craigslist and we did a lot of that too um but we just got rid of you know old lamps and uh i had an old guitar amp that i'd have since high school that didn't even work and just (laughs) stuff i don't know you just end up with without the um without the spatial uh restriction of of an apartment one just ends up with a garage yeah, and an what attic is that? Full of Can we stuff? Are we know. really that untrustworthy? Like, can are we? Do we have that little control over what we're doing? <laughs> we're like goldfish. Well, I don't even know if that's true, but oh no, goldfish are goldfish notoriously goldfish the size of their. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was wondering where you were going with that. I was like, goldfish don't really hoard. Uh, they just sort of float around and they have a memory of like That's because uh, they, ten, nobody ten ever seconds. gives them anything. You know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe true. they want to hoard. I don't know. Maybe the saying is that a goldfish always fills its tank with crap to the size of the tank it's given. 
and it also grows bigger. Oh, I see. I could see. I could see how that um, that phrase might have shortened over the years, just for right because efficiency. Yeah, the second one, it just was shorter, anyways, and meant the same thing. So, so Um, yeah. Eventually, people stop giving goldfish things, and also just shorten the phrase. I wonder which happened first. Right. So, anyways. Once you have too many goldfish in your house, you have to downsize. So I think we've gotten that squared. Yeah, uh, I, uh, I think I think that's the case. I don't remember buying a lot of things when I was in a house, and I don't even. I felt like we ran a fairly austere sort of austere. Is that the right word? It's sort of minimal, relatively minimalistic existence when we were in that house. Like I've I've been in some houses where there's like the toy room. Right. And the, the toy room and you might have a, the toy room, but just a room that's just solid toys like that. Just there's a wall with like three. We've had many iterations of let's see if I can get enough condescension in my voice here. The uh, toy room. The and toy. yeah, um, we've <laughs> constantly tried to draw it down because it's it gets out of hand in a moment's notice. It just. There's no stopping it. So you have to very consciously avoid that scenario. Plus, kids just don't play with things when there's too many things to play with. They need right. like well, fewer choices. They're just like adults. Yeah, I don't mean to put children on blast directly here, but the toy room, I feel like, is one of the places where this happens the most. It, you're, you're exactly right. They only play with the kind of the top layer. So what you've got is basically layers of toy sediment uh, <laughs> in in toy boxes and stuff where like by the time... Yeah, on the top is like, oh, the Nerf gun that works. And then the medium size, like, oh, here's some, I guess, some lightsabers. Maybe there's a maybe there's a, a dress-up outfit that gets played with like once a year. By the time you get to the bottom of a toy, a toy box or drawer or toy wall unit that used to be the living room wall unit or whatever, now you've got now you're in like the pieces of crayon and just sort of like plastic piece like uh let's say uh, a, a meal's worth of kitchen food. Right, kitchen it's like food. a it's chronological sediment, but it's also based on the shape and size of the things. So the smaller right, things ge- tend to fall happening. to the bottom, yeah. but yeah, you also find older toys towards the bottom. But I, and I think it's even true past the fact that they can't get to the other toys. And I've seen this happen. Is that. You know, don't give a kid a toy and they'll pick up a stick and play with it. If you give them a toy, then they engage with it a lot. And if you give them ten toys, it almost seems as if they have a hard time knowing how to engage with them all. So it's just like vague or they might actually get bored quicker or just sort of go on to something else and i vaguely thought that but i've seen it happen when i've reduced my own kids toy areas drastically and it's pretty striking i mean it, i get it. it i it's like you know we live in the age of infinite choices and it sort of just cripples you sometimes it, well for a child it, there's definitely a a threshold of where uh, above which the choices might as well be infinite which someone should tell my children that they have infinite choices when they're lying around the house not complaining that i won't let them play kirby anymore um, <laughs> 
By the way, the, the Nintendo Switch tracks playtime in Archer is, I want to say, 50 hours, 55 hours into Kirby at this point. Okay. Uh, I yeah, don't, he's, he's, yeah huh? I don't want to track however many hours my sons are into Minecraft. Uh, oh, gosh. Because I think they're jam. And I, I don't ha- have a problem with Minecraft. There are aspects about anything that become absorbed into a culture that just can't leave anything alone. But the concept and how I let them play it is, I don't know. It's pretty cool. It's just pure creation in that aspect of it. So, Yeah, I, I, man, uh, yeah, there's... There are some. There are certainly aspects to Minecraft and the Minecraft community or culture that are um, problematic, to say the least. But yeah, if you take out for culture to... and community from Minecraft, then <laughs> yeah, it's then good. it's just Legos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like it's Legos, which yeah. they have many, many of. What's oh, I've been trying to get Archer to to get with the Legos. We have a fair amount of Legos, but the um and I'm, the thing about this kid is that he's so much of the work of the creation is just happening in his own head that he doesn't really get anything out of building something with Legos yet. Um, every six months or so I pull him out and we, I build a cool spaceship all afternoon and I have a great time. (laughs) Um, but the kids like he, when he was little, he was really into, uh, pinball, really into pinball. He's like three, um, super into watching me play uh, pinball, and he was not good at it. He would even play it too, and like we went to pinball conventions and stuff. And uh, he would um, sit there, and he'd have two mega blocks. You know, the big, the Duplo kind of not Duplo, but like you know what I'm you yeah know what yeah mega blocks are whatever. They and uh, he would have two of those, the little like two by four sort of uh, block situation. And he would hold them like flippers, and then he would spend t- 20 minutes uh, pretending that our coffee table was a pinball table. There wasn't a physical aspect to this, right? Like, he wasn't hitting a ball around the coffee table. Um, and frankly, I, I get it, right? Like, that's it's hard to, uh, especially if you're three, to coordinate physically or to build anything that, like, resembles actual pinball. So instead, you're going to just, like, let your brain handle that. You know, you need a couple props for just to get things get things cooking. Yeah, I, and, uh, I maybe the 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 fewer number of props is the most interesting part of that. Where at yeah, some point he, those he, aren't he even necessary. That. You yeah. just see him staring blankly into a wall, and like anything could be going on. Who knows? Hey, I think I think at that point we'd probably um, <laughs> probably do something before he becomes kingpin from the Daredevil show or whatever. Um, uh. That guy with uh, he uh, he they still as a, even like yesterday while we were trying to clean up and I was trying to get them in bed. Uh, Felix, this is a very trademark Felix move, very impassively picks up a container of whatever toy with no expression on her face, dumps the entire thing out onto the floor and then begins playing, which, you know, and she did that with the Mega Bloks. Those two children will play for forever just with Mega Bloks and they don't like Felix is actually building towers and stuff. Archer is just using it as like a kickstart to whatever is going on in his head. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, 
They get they get a lot of mileage out of of that of that toy. Like we got rid of the Lincoln logs because nobody in my house is building like log cabins. I don't think they have any context <laughs> for a log cabin. <laughs> I think Lincoln logs are on their way out. I mean, yeah, there that that's true. That is a little bit of a a two generations ago sort of toy. Um. Mm. But yeah, we've we've cleared out the sediment uh, now and again, and and uh, you you kind of have to, right? Like lifestyle wise, in a, an apartment, you uh, you need that space. Um, you can't like I I currently don't have a dresser. I have some shelves in my closet that that I keep clothes in, right? And and like I don't have a ton of spaces to just like have a drawer full of etc. or have a drawer where I don't. I literally haven't made physical contact with 90% of the drawer in years and just use the front for like a pair of scissors or something, <laughs> you know? So like, it, you do, you, you do end up having to have to think about all that stuff, uh, holistically, I suppose. Well, I'm just swimming in space over here. I just buy <laughs> stuff so I can put it in a corner. I'm like <laughs> living it up. This drawer needs something. Yeah. Ah. It's just, yeah. It's just part of my whole, American ideal. You know, I buy food just to throw it away. You know, that's just, <laughs> I got to do it. Uh, that's, that's grotesque. Uh, <laughs> You're welcome. I am very, I'm very into this storage unit though. Like it's not far I enough can away. Tell. Yeah, I, I can, I, that's maybe I should buy something just to put it in the storage unit. You're, you're it's, close to that. You're, you're buying like, designer padlocks you know and that's where it starts and then you bring your own little air condition or conditioning unit because you know it's a conditioned building but it's you know you read on the storage forums that the humidity isn't controlled quite to your liking and you know you need to watch out you can get really well, that, into things cam don't yeah, well, go to the forums the- the seminar at Stor- StoreCon recommended <laughs> that I get my I'm own dehumidifier. It's too late. Oh dear lord! You got to talk. You got to worry about those pH levels in there. <laughs> honey, honey, where are the where are the chairs? Did you even take oh, a oh, core sample? <laughs> do you, did you need the chair in the next thirty minutes? Because the chair is just at the storage. I thought we could use some more space in here. <laughs> Wait, honey, where's the milk? Oh, yeah, so I ha- there's sort of a fridge in the storage unit now. And yeah, don't yeah. don't tell the guy running the storage unit. <laughs> oh. All right. That was a glimpse into your possible future. Now, as a human that has the incredible ability to think and change their behavior to alter their own future, avoid that dark future. Think I, you know, I was I was thinking about the towers, but now I need to think about the blocks. There you go, you you yeah. switched it. Hmm. Uh, let's see. I uh, here. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I I've heard tell that we have a single email from possibly our singular listener. <laughs> I can verify uh, that we have at least uh, one other listener. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fifty percent's not bad. Fifty percent of what? Fifty uh, percent of our listeners have emailed us. Oh, okay, us. you're right. L- listener growth. I see what you're saying. Yeah, our numbers are are skyrocketing. The board's going to be thrilled. That yeah, the chart looks 
I mean, it's basically a diagonal line, but. <laughs> yeah, it's a chart with a. I just drew a line from one corner of the chart to the other corner. Yeah. No. So that's all I know, though. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to pull up the email. Oh, well, I did. I could. Would you like me to? Okay. I will read it. It is from someone I know, Abigail, aforementioned Abigail. I thought you were, for a second there, I thought you were going to try to pass it off like your own wife didn't email your own podcast. Somebody, no, we've a, done an avid listener. <laughs> I could, uh, as we've no, done such you couldn't. in the past. But um, Abigail, who did we mention? We both grew up as well with Abigail. It's true. Abigail so goes way back. She goes way back. So she OG. says, Hi, C and B2P. Mm-hmm. Long time listener, long time. And Abigail likes to write for effect. So this may not you, all be grammatical. You have to read it uh, verbatim. It's the only one. Long time listener, long time. Just finished watching Jack White on SNL. I was wondering, have either of you ever met any celebrities that you really liked? I met Bill Murray one time and ended up playing bassoon for him in his car. Long story, but yeah. Do you have any IRL stories, including an artist that you admire? Maybe one that lives or lived in Nashville, Tennessee? Love to hear your sexy voices. Keep it hot. Keep it coming. Keep it online. ABG. Whoa. It got kind of intense there at the end. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's classic Abigail email. <laughs> it really is. It's got, it's the roller coaster. Um, I, all right. So that her story, also I liked, before we get into it, I liked the, your, your tonality on the, did you ever meet any famous people that you really liked? <laughs> like, like we've been meeting famous people a lot, and they're just almost universally just just despicable. Yeah, we want to qualify that. Like, oh my gosh, is that? Uh, Don't man. let him see us. Um. So, uh, I, her story, her Bill Murray Van story, is one of the most inherently imp- like I have to be very careful when I bring that story up because I, with someone new who does not know me, run the risk of sounding like a person who chronically lies and makes up insane stories. Uh, that's that story is so the, uh, the 30 second version of the story listeners is that Abigail was across the aisle from, uh, Bill Murray on an, on a flight into Houston, right? Was she flying back uh, into Houston? to Charleston? She was going to Charleston. do an audition in Charleston. Oh, okay. Well that, 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 that checks out. Um, what with Bill Murray being a, a resident of Charleston and he, uh, he offered to uh, take her there in his car, and um, upon finding that she was carrying a bassoon, asked her to play him a song. And so she drove through Charleston uh, in the back of Bill Murray's van playing her bassoon, which is the most real-life Wes Anderson nonsense that <laughs> anyone has ever experienced. And then just to make the story sound even more implausible, when someone asks me, oh, what about, like, uh, did she get back in touch with him later? Like, blah, blah, blah. 
Um, she tried to send him a book that she wanted him to read, but he had gotten divorced and she couldn't get a whole, like his address wasn't valid anymore and she had no way of contacting him. He, so the, the whole, right. Am I getting yes. this correct? It, 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 there's more. He gave her money in, in his address and requested that she send him bassoon music. Oh, and something else. Oh. So anyway, but oh. then transitioned to exactly what you're saying happened. Yeah, just the ty- just the ni- the neatest bow. Like if one were to be a chronic liar and come up with a story, and then out of paranoia, make sure that your story was unsourceable uh, <laughs> and unverifiable in every every respect. Uh, he, she no longer has any means of contacting Bill Murray because all she had was the address that he is no longer at. Um, so this is, I don't have anything near that level of, of story just in general, (laughs) but if you know, (laughs) Abigail, it is imminently plausible, however Mm -hmm. crazy it sounds. And it has to be true. If, if she said it, she just couldn't make something up like that. Now fully. Yeah, she couldn't knowing what Abigail's getting at in this email. I was laughing while reading it. Because she's just dragging it out, and she's not going to do any of the work for Cam. She just wants Cam to tell a story. Oh, is this uh, the Jack White story? It's not that what, kind of story. What I know, but what do you think she's asking about? I guess, yeah, I guess she's just angling for... Uh, I mean, so so uh, we lived in Nashville for uh, a handful of years, and... Um, one big thing about living in a place like Nashville uh, is uh, you are supposed to basically pretend like the concept of fame doesn't exist. Um, you don't really want to. When you do reference a famous person, if if, uh, if and you live in Nashville, you're gonna you want to reference them as casually as possible, like implying that there's a possibility that maybe you hang out with them like every weekend and it just happens that they're like incidentally part of the thing that you're talking about you're like oh i don't know man yeah it's hanging out with so and so i had a guy reference like a fairly well-known music producer by his first name um and it just it, i didn't buy what he was selling but i think that was what he was you know what i mean was his story so unsourceable uh i mean basically and and that's that's the thing is uh you, you no one is like squealing and talking about how they saw like Faith Hill at the movies, um, even though that kind of stuff happens. I'm not here to squeal, but I also think it's fun uh, to live in a place where you can just sort of run across a, a fairly well-known person in a random place. And I was in a record store in Nashville, and uh, and a a person who my my immediate uh, thinking was who is this jerk dressed like Jack White in the record store? (laughs) A guy kind of walks in, a very, very large man walks in, starts drumming on his thighs and looking at music facing away from me, dressed as a raconteur's era, kind of all black sort of like cowboy man, Jack White, like that era. I want to say he had a hat on. I can't remember uh, anymore. And then we realized a second later, uh, due to the fact that he was, that he looked like Jack White, to the degree that we realized it was and also the record store had become completely silent as everyone attempted to play it super cool uh it was totally jack white um and he he, uh excuse me he he wandered around the store drumming on his thighs um the the guy running the record store like went up and like tried to show him a record or something like that guy was the person who kind of 
appeared to kind of want to win Jack White's favor, as it were. And uh, Shannon and I, uh, this was probably, to be clear, this was like 10 years ago, probably 10 or 11 years ago. And uh, we had not been in Nashville that long. And I, I turned to Shannon. I was very into Jack White at the time. Uh, mm-hmm. I turned to Shannon and I was like, I, I have to say something to him, right? Should I say something to him? Because <laughs> right. we're in a record store. It's not like I'm going to interrupt him at dinner, right? Like it's it's a it's a public place. Uh and uh, in in sort of there's not inherent privacy in like standing in an aisle looking at but looking for at a cold open, it's not immediately right. obvious. I mean, I, you know, you don't want to go with you like music or right records are cool, you know. So <laughs> yeah. I, I well, I'm not you, looking to start pain. a conversation. Even I kind of just wanted to say that I had like that. That's all I I think all I, all I really wanted from it, I guess is to be able to say something more than the equivalent of like walking by someone on the street. Like I wanted to say, I, I don't know that met the guy. Um, I had nothing to say, which became immediately apparent when I re- I decided I have to go say something. And then I did, I, I skipped the part where I decided what to say entirely. Um, <laughs> Drawn walked up to Jack to White as you were. Yeah. <laughs> I walked up to him, starstruck and what, 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 what have you, uh, tapped him on the shoulder or whatever. He turned to me very surprised that uh, Jack White, not, I, I would say, a good celebrity to j- so surprise, just in general. <laughs> um, and uh, he and he, he was inquisitive. Looking. Wait, did you say I, you tapped him on the shoulder? Did I? I don't remember. I, I'm trying to think of a way that one might uh, get Jack in White's their attention. Line of sight, I guess. I mean, I could have said Mr. White. I believe I would have remembered it if I had said Mr. White. <laughs> Or like, excuse me, or like, Jack, but I don't think I did those things. But I don't know that I would have just like reached out and touched him. I could have. <laughs> I don't know. That's a de- that's a detail of the story that's lost to time. I know. Uh, okay. So he, I, I, he, uh, I reached out my hand to shake his hand. Um, he he shook my hand, um, and then uh, in, in the process, first of all, I have pretty large hands uh for my stature uh Mm -hmm. jack white has mammoth hands his hands are very large um engulfed my hand entirely also missed a couple of his fingers in the process so this (laughs) is not a good handshake um it's sort of a sort of a claw tangling yeah tangling claw uh clammy claw (laughs) tangle and uh and i said and i quote i'm just glad i saw you somewhere um and he said okay <laughs> and that was it uh, <laughs> I, I mean i can i can understand why i like that story um i'm not sure why i think it's so funny but it's always been something <laughs> i mean i think it's more than what actually happened it's just a thing that is part of my knowledge of you and i really love that story and that moment in time you know just it's perfect and it's not overly embarrassing or weird i mean it was awkward i guess but it's it's got it's it's a very kind of like it's a harmlessly awkward story that has no no conclusion no satisfying conclusion uh it you learn nothing about the characters involved um it will I, always be did, something you did though right yeah exactly like if i hadn't done that then I, my story would have been i saw jack white in a record store one time and, and he was dressed all silly this like is exactly 
what I say about Abigail's Bill Murray story, which, oh, is, which is that if it had been me, my story, which I would have told people, is I was on a plane one time. You know I was on a plane one time, and um, it was right across the aisle. I swear this guy was Bill Murray. <laughs> <laughs> 